0: Welcome to Northern Natter, a podcast by journalists for journalists who don't want to move down south. If you are just getting into the industry, studying or soon to be graduating, then this is for you.
1: We're sharing all the tips and tricks and stories from people in the industry from Scotland and Northern England.
0: I'm Katie Williams, one half of a Katie duo. I'm from Stirling in Scotland and last year I graduated with a journalism and film degree. Since then, I have worked with BBC Scotland, creating content for their BBC The Social Online platform.
1: I'm Katie Baggett from Sunderland and graduated last year with a journalism degree. I've worked at community radio stations Spark and various news websites. I now work in higher education, but also freelance as a radio presenter and audio producer.
0: There are stories and opportunities in Northern England and further north in Scotland, and we want to find out how we can get them.
1: Because we don't want to move to London. So, welcome to Northern Matter with me, Katie Williams. Why not with me, Katie Williams? (laughs) Katie Williams. It's been such a long week.
2: I don't even know my name. Wait till I introduced myself. I'm like, I think I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. No. I'm still, I'm currently still on shift. Are you?
0: Thanks for doing that for us. That's no
2: bother. It's like an hour off work, guys. I'm always, <laughs> <laughs> and also getting to chat about journalism. I'm totally up for it.
1: So, Welcome to Northern Natter with me Katie Baggett and me Katie Williams. So in today's episode we are talking to Jess Evans and Dana McAlpine. So welcome guys, how are you? Cold. Good. Good, <laughs>
3: oh. good. good. <laughs> how has your week been so far? Busy. Very
1: very busy. busy.
3: <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone is going through the same thing at the same time, it's really weird. Yeah, really busy.
2: Yeah, it's been a fairly non-stop week for us up here in Scotland as well. So especially on, the, especially on the news beat, it's been a wee bit non-stop this week. So very glad to see it's Friday. Yeah, get a big glass of wine. <laughs> or a big cup of tea.
3: <laughs> so start with Jess. Can you give us a little introduction to yourself? You know, who you are, what you do, where do you come from? Yes, so um, I'm a freelance journalist um, and I also run um, the freelance sessions which is a small independent it sounds a bit weird saying organization because it's not an organization I just I set it up um, and then organically it just kind of um, grew into a little bit of a company I guess so I run that um, alongside being a freelance journalist so I used to live in London and I was on staff. Um, I was a staff writer and, was, and then I was a staff editor. At heart, I'm a real magazine girl, so lots of um, lots of work on feature desks. And then yeah, and then about two years ago, um, I went freelance and moved back to Liverpool, my home city. And then that was where I started the sessions there because I think what kind of provoked that was being in London and breaking into journalism myself. That was the thing that made me think, oh maybe it would be good to kind of help writers who can't break into journalism, whether it's because of their location, whether it's because of their class. So yeah, that was why I started the the session. So I do the two of them alongside each other. Sorry, that's a really long intro, wasn't it?
0: No, no, that's fine. we will take it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And what about yourself, Dana? You also used to live in
0: London, didn't you?
2: Yes so I'm Dana, I am a recovering freelance journalist so that's to say that I'm now uh, head of food and drink and lifestyle for Edinburgh Live here in, no surprises, Edinburgh but prior to this I was a full-time freelance journalist for two and a, two and a half years, some of which was in London. Uh, I lived in London for four and a half years after I finished studying which was which was pretty intense and Jess I can totally feel you on the whole (laughs) realising that you know can can we do this outside of London do we have to be there because London certainly shows you all the best and worst of our industry. So after four years trying to make a graft in London, having studied at the University of the Arts London and having done their journalism degree, I started work in London. I worked at Delicious magazine for a while and began to freelance at various magazines, really starting to sort of push out my interest in food and drink and what's on. And slowly but surely, I started writing more and more about Scotland while I was living in London because the more I started writing about travel, the more I was getting asked to write about Edinburgh because, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're Scottish. <laughs> and then from the back of that, I started being invited to write for more publications about Edinburgh. I mean, it took me far longer than what it should have to have the light bulb moment of maybe I should be living in Edinburgh. So I eventually, I moved back a year past June and I joined the team as Head of Food and Drink back in June of this year what I say about having gone full time not one not one for commitment this was absolutely the job that I wanted I loved being freelance and really enjoyed being freelance and especially loved being part of the freelance community in Scotland and the North in general, I think anyone outside of London, there's such a strong like family community feel of like, yes, we can do this. Like, we do not need to be in London. We have each other's backs. Like, I followed Jess for ages as well. So I was really excited when I heard that Jess was on tonight. I was like, yay, my Twitter friend is here. I'm so happy. I thought the same. I thought the same.
3: It's funny, isn't it? Because you think, should I say it or oh, no, i not tell you. <laughs>
2: And I was like, yes, Northern Sisters, let's go. Like, yes, absolutely, yes. you don't have to be here. So I still have links. Uh, I still have links to London. And right up until I was working uh, full-time for Edinburgh Live, I was a like full-time freelance journalist writing for magazines and publications in London, as well as Scottish publications.
0: It's good. You've done, like, a little bit of everything then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what made you move to London in the first place?
2: So I uh, decided to move to London at 21. So I had originally gone to university at 18 years old, still journalism, was still definitely going to be journalism, but I grew up in like back swampy Slothian here in Scotland, where honestly, like your neighbour was a sheep, like there was nothing out there. So funnily enough, teamed with having moved to the university in Edinburgh at 18 years old and had my first social contact pretty much ever, also being away from parents, late night partying, all of these kind of things, I was not ready for university in that commitment and in my second year of university I started becoming really unwell and it transpired, um, if anyone's read my writing, that I have ME. So I dropped out of university for a bit, kind of figure out what I was going to do, what I was going to sort out. When I suddenly was presented with this completely fresh start, when I decided to go back to university, I decided to move to London just for one, a massive change of scenery and two, just to try and steal some contacts while I was down there basically.
3: What about you, yourself, Jess? I am so much an advocate for, you know, you don't have to go to London, you know, you can freelance um, from, you know, wherever you are, it is possible to do. And I very much talk a lot like this and then people say, oh, okay, so when you, when you graduated uni, what do you do? And I'm like... I moved to London um, and, and it's just it's always a funny moment because I just think oh my goodness this person's going to be thinking you know I'm just like talking the good talk you know saying those things and then and then having you know a completely different constituent path. for me personally I it was just drummed into me at uni you know to be a success you're gonna have to go to London and you're gonna have to intern your bum off before you even get to crack at being a junior writer i did that and and you know no regrets at the time you know i learned a lot and i love london and that experience for so many reasons not so much for other reasons you know it was a real mixed bag but now looking at how the industry is um it is. It's so different, which it sounds kind of crazy because it is such a short time, really. Um, I mean, I'm only 29 now. It's not, you know, it hasn't moved. It, it shouldn't. On paper, it, it seems like it shouldn't have moved on that much, but it, it really has in great ways. And um, so now if I was just graduated uni, I would definitely not move to London. I know it's hard to say isn't it but I think I would I would go down a slightly different route rather than saving up loads of money from waitressing and just to try and scrape enough money together to go down to intern for free which is mental and depressingly common
2: as well the unpaid internships in London depressingly common
3: yeah definitely So much it's awful yeah And again, that is something that is getting better. But it is, it's it's a slow process. It is something people are, the first thing, isn't it, Of anything like that, any injustice is people just talking about it. So I think there's so much more talk and awareness around it, which is amazing. But I think it's the, the kind of, the practice of it is um, a little bit later on to the party. So I think it's happening and there are good changes definitely happening within journalism, but it's it's slow. <laughs> I
1: think that really resonates with like what I've done last year, graduated and then got internship experience, but it was unpaid. But I gained that experience, but I do, I've heard loads of people like going down to London or even in the North as well, doing unpaid internships. And it gets to a point where you're like, I'm qualified is this right and I think at the time you don't really think but when you look back it's like they are holding them accountable if it is not paid
2: Mm -hmm. so for me for me personally I did an internship while I was in London side note to this I'd already done internships up here in Scotland as well but while I was at uni I was like yes a bit like bit like yourself Jess I was like internship let's go work let's do this experience experience and I did an internship for a month while working as a supervisor at a retail store and full-time at uni and working 16 hours for a month unpaid it was the hardest month of my life but that's all I could do I could not afford to live in London and it's common knowledge that if you live in London your student loan doesn't cover your rent it was my job to you know have a job to support myself which I you know I was 22 at that time it was like yep yeah, that that came as common you know sort of second nature let's you know figure this out but it also was an inst- interesting position to find myself in where I was having to juggle all of this where I had peers at the same time who didn't who could go off and do like a two-week unpaid internship and not have to think oh god I it really pleases me that these are getting extinguished if you're there for a month providing a service you should be getting paid for it You wouldn't go to a bar and pour pints for a month for free, unless they were for yourself.
1: (laughs) That's really important. That's really good advice. Like for anyone listening as well, I guess the next question is from what you've said. This is a big question as well, but what challenges have you faced in your career so far?
2: My favourite thing when I go and lecture is go challenges. Okay, let me rip out the scroll. Let me tell you everything I've messed up in my whole 27 years of life. Challenges wise, I mean, whether it's you know, I went I went to university with a chronic illness, working class background, tons of debt because I decided to move to London to do this degree. You know, and I went through three years of trying to like forge a career in London while being full-time at university and borderline full-time in retail at some point. And that's how you age as terribly as I do before you're 30. For me as well, it's just having confidence in myself as well. Like That was the rockiest road for me when I came out freelance. After university, my ME was so bad that... I had just i couldn't work in an office, and I've written about this extensively. I assumed everyone was having it so easy, who was freelance, where I was having you know pitches knocked back while I found my feet and figure out what worked. But that is a normal part of being freelance. Don't take it as failure. Take it as, okay, how could I have marketed that better? Has there been stuff done on it before? Learn from it. And I really wish I kind of cut myself a little bit of slack. I remember looking back, I'd get a no, and it'd be like, oh my God. It'd be more dramatic than the end of like EastEnders. It was just like, oh, that's it, my career's over. But in fact, it was the most normal thing in the world to be told no.
0: Especially now like with like Journo Twitter and Journo Facebook and everything, you think everyone's just getting all the pictures and all the success all the time because it is, you know, even though Twitter is probably a bit more real than Instagram, there is still it's still a highlight reel. You know, and oh, completely. Yeah, I and mean, we spoke like I've mentioned it before and other things and probably on Twitter. Like you said, it is so normal to get all these no's and knockbacks and everything, or just no replies whatsoever. And I think it's important that people talk about it, that freelancers talk about it. Because on Twitter, by the sounds of it, it just looks like
2: everyone's winning constantly. Failure is not a dirty word and people seem to think it is And in some ways I don't think failure exists at all. I think it's just they're just situations you learn from. I think calling, you know, you getting a no for a pitch, to call it a failure is a bit extensive in my opinion. You know, it's just something that's not worked out that time. And if as long as you reflect on it and think why might this have worked or you know even ask the editor that you've pitched to for feedback they might not give it to you they are busy as hell you know or even if being able to have a tiny think about it that's actually a success in itself because you've been able to take something from it yeah definitely
0: i think maybe me and you have spoken about it on twitter actually ages ago when we were talking about doing job applications and saying that it would be difficult to do cover letters or like sort of pitch yourself you know how do you even do that and I think we discussed like getting your friend to like phone you and help you through it because they like-
2: Yes, it. so I, I still recommend this to everyone, can I add? I recommend this yeah. to everyone. If you don't know what to put on your cover letter, phone your friend and tell them what they love about you. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: I've got I've got that friend who's like my like RT, like shout out to them because they are like my biggest cheerleader and whenever I'm like feeling like rubbish about myself, they will just send me a list of everything that I've done right. And I'm just like, Thank you <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so jess what does how does the freelance session help with you know getting these pictures out? You know Dana said that she didn't you know, coming from, you know, a working class background, you know, maybe up from Scotland as well, going down to London, or just generally just trying to get out there, how can you help them? I
3: think half of the battle, it's, oh gosh, it's such a common thing, and particularly in us us women it doesn't seem to be such a prominent thing with men I think men have they have um, other kind of issues and other questions when it comes to the sessions that we do and they have um, yeah other kind of concerns but one of the main concerns with women is so what happens when and um, what happens when I don't get the pitch what sorry when I don't get the commission I do feel like half of the battle really is just crafting a pitch sending something off and having that courage to hit the send button when you do get a no from an editor you know it just means that it might not be right for that publication but for another publication it could be so perfect so I think hopefully the sessions give people confidence also we work a lot on crafting pitches and I mean I'm a little bit pitch crazy because I think you know if you get a pitch right crafting you know how to turn an an idea into a pitch if you get that process right then it really does give you the key to write about all sorts so I work really hard on actually right how can we land the commission and make sure that you get paid for this make sure that it's published in somewhere that you really like so I hope that I make the sessions as practical as possible of like, right, this is the person that you talk to. This is the format of the pitch, roughly. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is how you can put a news hook on. This is how, what to do with headlines. It's all of that type of thing that I'm really geeky about because I think these are the things that are actually going to get this person, you know, yeah, like you said, get them the commission. While you're here, just ask if you, if you don't mind like sharing like some pitching advice. Of course. Them. How many publications should you be pitching one story to? That's from uh, Bex McVeigh. Batch pitch would do it in, in a clever way. So what I mean is every story idea has lots of different faces. So think, okay, could I make this story into a first person piece? Has it got the potential to be the first person? But also can I squeeze an opinion piece on it? And can I run with a different news hook. I mean, news hooks change everything. So could I put a different news hook on it? So it's just being creative. So it's thinking, okay, I can go to a features desk at X publication, but I can also go to a first person desk at another publication because every story, like I said, with the different sides it has, stories are really, dynamic stories are really layered. So it is often concentrating on different elements of it.
1: What I was thinking then was, if you're at uni or as a freelance journalist, if you're writing and pitching, but you're at that kind of stage where you don't know what to write about, like what subject, what advice would you give to kind of graduates or people starting out?
3: Yeah, that's a great question because it's all good and well, isn't it? Saying, okay, just come up with some original ideas and you're kind of like, ah, I don't even know where to begin. So, a really good place to start is think, okay what do I want to write about? What do I really care about? What do I feel passionate about? What's really on my heart? I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but you know, what's on your heart will be different from somebody else. So it it automatically, you know, the idea is already quite different because you're often starting from your own life, your own experiences, what you've learned, what you've gone through. How things have influenced you and affected you. So, you're coming from a slightly different place anyway. Um, so, I would definitely ask yourself okay, what things do I like to read? What things do I, you know, what things fire me up? Whether things, you know, make you a bit angry, you know, you see an injustice that you think, oh, I need to write something on that. Or, you know, it, things can get you in emo- emotional and different ways. You could be super excited and happy about things that are going on, you know. God knows, like, at the moment we need, you know, all of the good news at the moment and all the comic relief. So do think about those positive stories as well? You know, it doesn't always have to be, like, serious, dramatic, somber stories. It's quite
2: funny, like, the more you consume, the more you kind of think in terms of story ideas. Like, it's so funny, like, especially now that I'm doing a lot more breaking news. You know, a standard day for me in Enver Live is six to eight stories a day that I put out in a shift and so you're constantly on the ball it's really helped when I was freelance at Edinburgh Live it really helped working at a news site really helped me actually further my freelance practice because I was constantly thinking what is a story or what can become a story I always laugh I say you really know you're a journalist when you start trying to scroll through Twitter Facebook or Instagram and your brain's instantly trying to make stories out of stuff that you're looking at and you're like god damn it I just want to like look at some clothes like I don't (laughs) want to like think about but like Jess said the best part the best place to start is when you're pitching anyway you should be trying to tell that editor why you're the absolutely best person to write that subject and if that subject is your true calling or something that you know more about than anyone else like if your knowledge is on some weird niche collectible great pitch someone Write about it. There is a story idea, and what's more, you can tell that editor that God damn, you're the right person to talk about it as well.
0: I love it. so much power. Do you think the main issues are in like in journalism in the industry in general from your experiences?
2: (laughs) That's a big big question. question. (laughs) I know. I know. For me, having grown up super working class, coming into as a journalist, especially when you're in London you feel the difference and not having the contacts that people have because they're related in some ways. And that's not to say that if you are out there and you're listening and you are not from a working class family that your worth is not valid as someone's middle class background or you know, anything like that. But you have to accept that they're, they're definitely facing privilege that people who aren't from that background face. There was no like you know little hidden nest behind me keeping me safe. I had to just get on with it make my own contacts from ground zero because you know there wasn't any connection for me also I was coming down from London from Scotland so there wasn't even like a friend of a friend of a friend it was just like hi I'm Scottish and now I'm in London he's our job you know there was like and I had to hustle constantly the industry is changing quickly and our voices are being championed in totally different ways again I don't face the same issues that someone a person of colour faces in this industry I'm privileged in my own right as well but I am proud of where the journalism industry is going and how much more inclusive it is becoming. You know, as a woman in the industry as well, the one thing I will say to every single woman listening is talk about money, ask how much people are being paid, know your worth. If you know how much someone's being paid for something, ask for the same, don't settle for anything less than it. There's no reason for you not to be receiving the same thing. And when someone asks me how much I want to be paid for something, I ask them how much their budget is first
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I bat it straight back so that I can judge how much they're willing to pay someone at my level mm-hmm. and then I ask for more because <laughs> you probably will be worth it
3: just simply ask them you know upfront, can I ask what the fee is for this please or you know what is the fee please and just get it out of the way because too often people get excited about the commission rightly so but they kind of you know just accept the commission and then skip that part of the fee and it's just so much better down the line everything's nice and transparent you know what you're getting paid and yeah and it motivates you more as well of course to to write well you know
2: again like you said once you get over that kind of awkward you know first few times it becomes second nature this is your job
0: yeah definitely I've um like I've written for free quite a lot people like getting me on do like guest blog posts, and there was like a print magazine, like an independent one. And I remember I had to pitch it, and I went through all the editorial stuff. And at the end of it, after I'd written it for them, I asked about, oh, uh, is, is there a fee? And like, oh no, we don't pay contributors, even though know, I'd put in all this work, you know, interviewing people, all this sort of stuff.
1: That's a massive thing for like me in the past. Like obviously, when you're a student, it's like you're learning, you're learning on your degree. But I think I'm 22 at the moment. I look so young like I look like I'm 17 and I think people like take one look and they're like oh she's still at uni or like still at school and I'm like no I've actually got a qualification like I'm a freelance journalist and take me seriously but I think I've had to like stand my ground. Don't ever let
2: your age get in the way of of mm-hmm. it at all. I had I had the same thing when I used to pitch when I was like 21, 22 and now I'm haggard said the most powerful thing as a freelancer is your boundaries and that isn't just you know saying pay me right that's that's not just what I'm talking about in terms of that it's also learning your boundaries in terms of how much you can take on how much you can actively do how many favours you can do or if you do have to do free work how much of that can you do realistically how much paid work do you actually need that's the real stuff you want to be thinking about it's because the more people say yes to free writing the more free writing opportunities are going to thrive which means that less working class people less people who have come from you know difficult backgrounds or aren't as recognized or have their voices heard as much are going to have to work for free because people who can work for free are working for free and it's constantly creating this humongous cycle that never breaks so the second that you go no I need to get paid you're actually breaking a much bigger cycle within journalism and do not get me wrong there might be someone who keep listening to this being like but i really i, I have nothing don't punish yourself there will as, for as long as there will be journalism there will always be people trying to write for free that's fine and people who want you to write for free but don't base your whole career as a journalist upon it because you should be a paid journalist and the, the second you start demanding it the second you become one
0: i've got two articles articles coming out in a free mag <laughs>
2: But, that, but that's the thing, like, I have done it. I've done it. It's like, but again, it's that boundaries. Mm-hmm. Your boundaries as a freelancer. How long can I do
3: this for? There's, there's a lot of publications that welcome new writers, young writers, like HuffPost, like Independent Voices. Lacuna Voices is really great as well. But yeah, it is, I have noticed there there have been a few students and with the best hearts as well, you know, doing it, you know, creating these lovely publications and they don't pay any of the contributors. And of course, I understand why they're not paying the contributors. I understand they, they can't afford to do that. But I think if you want to see change, then it's kind of just adding more fuel to the fire. And I think it's, it's a really difficult thing. But what would be far better, I think, for someone who's just graduated would not be to contribute to those magazines who aren't going to pay you. But it would be to go to somewhere like HuffPost who accept those new new writers and maybe the fees aren't that great but at least you're still getting paid for your work which is super important
2: and the more people you pitch out to and work with as well you also get
1: even better contacts for the future
3: it's been really nice to chat like it's made me think a lot about
1: just like self-worth and everything and like where I am am. I was the most shared
2: human being when I started in journalism like believe it or not I might treat act as if I'm like still a black incarnate but it's actually not it's like (laughs) genuinely it's it's taken me so long to get to this point of like Mm -hmm. security in what I do and like Mm -hmm. and and, and and learn because everything especially as a woman the whole world tells you not to take pride in anything you do especially your job because that's a man's thing to be loving their job and being good at it so it's such a powerful thing for you to go yes I'm a woman and you should be paying me and you should read my work and I'm going to share it on Twitter and shout about it which is the total opposite of what people want you to be like I
3: love sharing my work now i've read some of your work katie it's fab mine yeah 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 really good love it
0: thank you i have been trying to pitch yeah it's, it is difficult like uh Dana, you said at the start i'm trying it, and even like with each pitch i feel like i'm getting better at it and it's coming a lot more
2: natural so hopefully
0: the next piece i can do i can be paid for which is the goal
2: and if you're passionate about it like that's that if you're passionate about it that's literally half the battle I'm feeling so wise tonight! God! Oh my God! I'm gonna like try not to cry! I'm like, uh. I'm gonna come off this call and light a candle and tell the uni to up my lecturing rate! This is what you've created a monster! <laughs> I feel so <laughs> empowered! I'm just like, yeah, like, let's go, and,
0: let's go and do this! Let's
2: it! Feel free to put on, like, the, the blurb of this, like, we speak to bad teachers, Jess and Dana, blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: where can people follow you do you want to yes so
3: so if you want to get in touch um you can do that on instagram so it's just at the freelance sessions if you want to get in touch with me personally on twitter that's at jess hope evans or you can or you can email me and my email sorry all, all the contacts you can you can email uh through, through instagram the email is on there if you ever want to book a session or just ask any questions
2: you can find me on twitter and instagram at data McAlpine underscore you'll find the spelling on the podcast blurb or you can email me at Haya at Uk for any questions that is brilliant thank you so much both of you for coming on Bye, Bye, girls. So
0: Give us a follow on social media over at Northern Natter we're on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify and Google Podcasts.
1: Don't forget to share and follow us to keep up to date and we really appreciate the support. So for me Katie Williams and me Katie
0: Baggett this is Northern Natter.